Welcome to the Gauteng Wholesale and Retail Seater Leadership Chairs podcast. Hosted at the University of Johannesburg's Department of Marketing Management, we have conversations with wholesalers, retailers, and industry experts from South Africa and around the world. We also speak with renowned researchers so that we can provide you with information that promotes excellence and advances the retail industry. Welcome to the Wholesale and Retail CETA Leadership Chair Gauteng Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Beate Stiedemulder, and joining me are my two fantastic team members for the chair, Ms. Gagelo Melape and Mr. Sandile Maseko. Gagelo. Hi, I'm Gagelo. Great to have you here and looking forward to good conversations. Excellent. Sandile? Hi, I'm Sandile. I'm looking forward to today's developments. Our topic today is about digital marketing success in the world of retail. Our guest is Dr. Evert Kluter, Senior Manager Digital Operations at GAME. With a doctorate in marketing communications, Evert is currently employed as Senior Manager Digital Operations for GAME South Africa and GAME Africa. His 10 years of professional brand experience and his skills and experience covers more or less all of the factors of digital business services and marketing. Dr. Evert is also a forever student with a keen interest in consumer psychology. He's currently uh, completing an MSc in psychology at the Liverpool John Moores University in the UK. Evert, what an honor to have you here with us today. Thank you so much, everyone. It's really an honor to be here. Evert, let's get right into it. Tell us which type of digital marketing channels are key to retail success and why. I think for me, you know, this question is really, really important because it's a great intro to how digital retail works. And I think it's very important just to unpack that a little bit in, in more detail. But really, I think one of the key things that I want to highlight is that when you are a retail business, whether that is a small business or a massive corporate like MassMart, it's very important that you think about your overarching channel mix in the digital realm. And, and really how you start developing that, the first question that you ask yourself is, where are my sales happening, my conversions for retail? Am I driving my customers to an in-store property or am I driving them to online? Is it an e-commerce website where I can drive sales or do I need to make that purchase in-store? If you are making the purchase in e-commerce, that's a, the first question that you have to define for yourself because that will have a big impact on, on your customer journey and, and the channels that you choose. But I think an important point to make here is that when it comes to retail, you know, the world of retail is extremely fast moving um, and it's extremely competitive. You know, if we look at South Africa specifically, you know, the amount of retail brands and the amount of options to customers, which, you know, is great from a customer perspective, but from a business perspective, it definitely does create a lot of challenges for brands. So it's very important that you think about the whole customer journey and you build your channels around those uh, customer journey insights. So let me give you an example of that. If we're talking about e-commerce, a conversion in the online space, it's very important that you think about how you're taking the customer from awareness of your product through to consideration into that conversion phase. And what's the challenge here when it comes to digital marketing is that on any point of the journey, it's possible to lose the customer to a competitor. So it's very important that you define your channels well and that each channel plays an important role in nurturing that lead across the journey. So 
To give you a very specific example of that, for example, social media channels are usually better for driving awareness and driving engagement around a brand. Yes, you can drive direct conversions on a channel like Facebook, but usually it's the perfect channel you know, for creating a conversation with your audience and, and, and making them aware of the brand in its totality. So once you've created that awareness and you've created that consideration on social media, the next step would be to intercept the user in the research phase. Now the user is aware of your product. They're aware of the use case. You've either created the use case with the customer or they had a use case previously. And now you're engaging them on why they should your, should choose your product versus the product of a of a uh, competitor. So in that phase, now it becomes more about a discussion around search, Google search rankings and intercepting the customer there. And then once you've intercepted the customer, uh, you move over to the next phase, which is conversion on the website. Mm -hmm. And tell me, what is your opinion um, with regard to having a seamless experience in the online and the offline environment? What can retailers really do to have that kind of an omni-channel experience, but also to make sure that you know, the brand lives in the same way offline and online. Yes, the, the omni-channel experience is so, so important for retail brands. I think the, the first thing that I would do is once again, look at your customer journey and ask yourself, where would your customer journey start? Is it starting in store? Is it starting on digital? And depending on that customer, you're going to build and develop your integrated journey for that customer. But I think it's important to notice that, you know, all customers are different. Uh, and in the world of Massmore, that's also very true. We've got a lot of customers that would want to start the journey specifically on digital channels, and they might even end the journey there. But then you've also got a lot of customers that might start the journey on digital, do their research online, or what we call digital window shopping, and then actually complete the purchase in store. So depending on that ideal customer, your approach to omni-channel is going to be very different. Um, in some cases, you might not even take an omni-channel approach because you might have that customer that says, you know what, I don't even want to go in store. For me, the convenience of digital is fantastic. I want to just focus purely on seeing the, the, the product online, buying it online, and then creating that discussion and relationship with the brand in the online space. But at the end of the day, you know, if we look at the broader South African landscape, most of our customers are very much still buying products in store. So it's very important that we do critically think about how digital is supporting in-store and how in-store is supporting digital. So examples of that, for example, is that looking at the in-store customer journey, how am I creating touch points and awareness for my digital offering? A great example of that is to think about how do we create a unique value proposition for our different channels? Yes, the different channels need to support each other, but it's important that there's a unique use case for every channel. And what I mean by that is that you know, what are you giving to the customer online that they can't get in store? Are there exclusive discounts? Is there additional content marketing or educational content that you're developing? What is the reason for the customer to actually use all of your channels? And how do those channels complement each other to create a, a better experience for, for that customer? Yeah, absolutely. And to get a seamless experience at the end of the day. And then tell me, how does one um, determine where to focus one's efforts from a digital marketing perspective? Because there's so many areas of digital. So where do you start? Where do you focus? What would your advice be? 
it's a very important question. For me, it all comes back to your measurement approach and making sure that you've got the right measurement framework in place for digital to make sure that you can track results effectively and accurately across your channels. And this really, you know, where we get into the science of digital marketing because you've got all these various channels, they've got their own back end, they've got their own, you know, do's and don'ts, their own rules. But as a brand, what's important is that you need to create that measurement stick that creates a unique but also a consistent way to measure your your results uh, across those different channels. And I think that's very important. So, for example, where on Facebook you might be looking at engagement rate and you might be looking at the, the number of comments that you're getting on your content, on Google you're going to look at very different metrics. You're going to look at your click-through rate, you're going to look at your number of conversions, very different channel because the use case is different. But at the end of the day, you still need to, as a business, go back and define for yourself what success looks like on every channel. And that's why I bring in the customer journey. If your social media channels are all about driving that awareness and engagement, make sure that you've got the right metrics in place so that you actually can quantify that value. An important point of this is is tracking and setting up the right tracking. So if your user starts their journey on Facebook, are we tracking that user through to Google to the website and can we actually identify that customer starting on social media ending on the website and if you can do that it makes it extremely powerful for you from a measurement perspective because now you can comparatively look at how many conversions the attribution from Facebook versus Twitter versus Instagram versus Google and it becomes a lot more easier to you know comparatively say this is the value that Google is adding to our bottom line versus the value that another channel might be adding to the bottom line. Yes. And are you of the opinion that one must integrate a number of channels to work together? Most definitely. I think especially in the in the local South African landscape, you know, for most brands, because of, of the, the way consumers behave in South Africa, it will always be a, a mixed approach in, in channels. And if you don't have that integrated approach and you're not using different channels, you're actually not utilizing the full effect of digital marketing. And that's the beauty of digital marketing. There are so many channels and it really is the, the, the value lies in the combination and how you complement those channels and use them together. So, yeah, definitely very important. Well, Evold, you know, I'm hearing a lot of great stuff about digital marketing and how, you know, as a retailer, you can integrate all these um, channels to work for you. And then I'm also thinking for a small scale retailer, where does one actually start? Because I can imagine what a huge investment, um, not only financially, but also in resources that it takes to just undertake on a digital migration or, you know, just slow steps into digital. It's a very good question. And and really, I think the, the biggest challenge for small businesses is twofold when it comes to digital marketing. Firstly, the the education element to understand and know where you should be focusing your efforts and where you can get the best return. But also at the end of the day, I think it is important is to note that, you know, as a small business, you know, there is limited resources. And yes, you can have success on digital marketing without, you know, the bigger resources of a big corporate. But it is going to come with some unique challenges. And I think the the key thing is, you know, for any new business starting out, what happens in the world of digital marketing, you're starting out on a base of zero, right? Because you don't have an existing engaged audience. You don't have an existing community. You know, most brands that are currently in the broader retail space, if we look at the corporate environment, they've been investing for years and years on those platforms, nurturing communities, building relationships. So there's a very strong organic foundation, if I can call it that, that they can rely on. 
So in the context of a small business, like I said, you don't have that luxury. So really the key thing to do is, is to use your network. That's the best advice that I can give is to look at the people that are in your life, uh, the other brands that you can partner with and create some sort of affiliate network to help support your brand. I think especially in those beginning phases, you know, if you want credibility and you want to build trust, getting references and getting call outs from other brands that might have, you know, already um, nurtured some success in the digital space is probably the easiest way to attempt to leapfrog into the digital world. I, I think another important point there is influencers. The landscape of influencers, you know, it's very complicated. It's very diverse in the South African space. We've got a very rich influencer market in South Africa. So there are a lot of opportunities. And, you know, even if you don't at the beginning go for big influencers with massive numbers, even if you just use a combination of smaller influencers and you don't even have to use monetary exchanges. A lot of influencers, you know, that are starting out that want to create a reputation for them. They're very open to trade exchanges, as an example, you know, so potentially giving them exposure to audiences or giving them exposure to your product, as an example, could be a trade exchange that you can do as a way just to get some initial reach and some uh, initial credibility in the online space. Very interesting. Something that I've been wondering about is that, yes, in digital, you have your search engine marketing, you've got mobile, you've got programmatic advertising, you've got social media. Which of these channels would you say you use most often? Where do you see the most success? Um, or do you use a combination of all of them together? What What would be your opinion there? It's it's definitely at the end of the day a combination. I think it would be very difficult to, you know, pinpoint and say this specific channel uh, is, is very important because it creates the most value. At the end of the day, for me, it comes back to that customer journey because it is using every channel in the exact right moment in that customer journey to get the customer to the next phase. So for me, I would definitely say it's not about prioritizing a specific channel, but that question also depends on your product and, and the way your retail business is set up. Because, you know, certain brands, it could be quite a challenge to have success on social media. You know, if you're a you're a brand where you're dealing with potentially sensitive information or something that isn't very, you know, conversational in nature, or maybe it's even in a product that people are sensitive about. You know, it's not the type of thing that people potentially want to discuss, you know, on social media channels, as an example. Then social media might not be the best avenue for you. So I think it's important to understand, you know, do that risk assessment for your brand. But I think at the end of the day, definitely in 99% of the cases, it's always a combination. So even if you just want to drive conversion, if you haven't created awareness and consideration and trust for your brand on other channels outside of Google or outside of your website itself, uh, it is going to be a lot harder to actually convert those leads at the end of the day. I just want to find out, is there an ethical challenge in digital marketing in regards to tracking um, consumers' usage of social media, their likes, and just monitoring their algorithms and what what brands put out there towards them? That's oh, a great question. Love that question. Thank you so much for asking that. I, I think, you know, that, that definitely reflects the, the double-edged sword of the digital world. You know, from a brand perspective, there's all these amazing opportunities for brands. And a lot of them come out of the power of data, you know, because we are, customers are on the channels, they're using the channels. And 
we are utilizing those behavioral analytics to inform and to do our marketing more effectively, right? But within that, you know, you have this interesting dynamic around the balance between, you know, providing effective marketing and being able to personalize your marketing, but it also respecting the privacy and, and you know, all of the rights of the customer, which I just want to highlight is always the most paramount and most important thing. You know, if we think about for in context, the, the, the poppy compliance uh, regulations, you know, from a mass mart perspective, we take those compliance and regulations extremely seriously. Um, we go through extensive auditing processes, you know, with all of our channels, our approach to make sure that, you know, we're, we're always on regulation. But I just want to note, and, and I think this is an interesting topic because I think from a, as a marketer, you probably look at this conversation a little bit differently as a customer. And I, and I think the reason why is that as a marketer, you're very entrenched in the data. You're very entrenched in how the platforms work from a backing perspective. So there's potentially a little bit of a better understanding around what type of data the customer is actually being tracked for and what data they aren't being tracked for. I think a key thing to note is that in most cases, depending on the channel, Digital marketers are not tracking personally identifiable information. What I mean by that is information where I can actually take that data point and I can link it back to an actual end customer. So from a privacy perspective, we're not identifying that as an individual person. What we're doing with that data is that we're creating groups and segments of customer based on their behavior. So we can't tell you exactly, you know, this is Evote and he shopped um, at this time buying A, B, and C, potentially, you know, if they're on the website and, you know, they've they've signed and, and agreed to the right privacy policies. But for example, on Facebook, we don't have access to that type of data. We don't know the customer in, in that private context. So it is more about how we understand the data and utilize that data to understand groupings of our digital audiences better. And I think that's an important point to make because I think for a lot of customers, you know, there's this fear around, you know, Facebook is following me and Facebook is using that information to personally identify me to brands. That is not the case. I think one important thing to note, though, in the context of direct marketing or permission marketing, which is a, you know, a specific flavor of digital marketing, that is a little bit different because in that scenario, if, for example, I take email marketing, we do have personal information of the customer, but that's information that the customer has provided to us and they've signed up and agreed for us to have that personal information. We're not using that information, you know, to communicate anything outside of what is in the agreement or, you know, we don't reuse that information and give it to anyone else. There's, it's very strictly protected and it's very much within the guidelines. But when we talk about direct marketing, that is a little bit different because the whole point of direct marketing is to give the customer a very personalized and unique experience. And we use the personal data to do that and only that to make sure that the, the, you know, the promotions that we give you, the competitions and the deals that we offer you is very tailored to who you are as a person. So the more information we have about you, the better we can customize that experience. But I thought, yeah, let me just, just note that, but great question. Excellent. Um, Eva, there's two things I want to ask you about. Um, the one is WhatsApp. If you can perhaps share some best practices for people that want to use uh, WhatsApp and basically business profiles to conduct business. And the second one is about TikTok <laughs> um, and your opinion on that. Um, I think let's, let's firstly go, yeah, let's talk about WhatsApp and then with TikTok, 
what I basically want to know is that, you know, it feels like TikTok videos are everywhere because they are being shared on WhatsApp. But if we look at the actual stats, you know, the, the market growth is not 100, the, the market penetration is not 100% there. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure executives are talking in the boardroom about the phenomenon of TikTok. But, you know, how, how serious should we take this? So those two things, WhatsApp and TikTok. Perfect. So let's start with WhatsApp. So, yes, definitely. Look, in the context of the South African market, you know, if you look at how many people are, are using WhatsApp in a personal regard, in a personal capacity, from a business perspective, it obviously makes sense to expand your business communication and your business messaging to a channel like WhatsApp. And I think an important point to note is that, you know, any type of social media or direct messaging channel, usually what it where it will start out is basically a purely consumer engagement channel where businesses don't really have a place on the channel directly. But then once the, the channel grows, you know, and there is actually a marketplace to sell to brands, you know, it naturally evolves into a space where brands can also have a space. I think in the context of direct messaging platforms like, you know, um, Facebook Messenger and, and WhatsApp, it is a little yes. bit trickier because, you know, it isn't your traditional marketing platform. And there is a limitation to, you know, the, the degree to which you can actually engage, engage with a customer. I think in the context of a WhatsApp bot, you know, that is the, the ideal platform for that type of communication. But even with that, that is a challenge, right? Because you need to get people to add that number, to engage with the bot. And that can also be in a challenge in itself because now there's this new channel which you have to drive traffic to and not just drive traffic to, continuously engage the customer and provide value to them. I think one of the great benefits of a channel like WhatsApp is that it is really great from a customer service perspective and a customer experience perspective because, yes, we can, you know, do a lot of customer service management on channels like social media, but because the, the WhatsApp world is immediately private with that customer, it's, it's immediately a private engagement, we can probably more effectively start resolving queries for a customer through a channel like WhatsApp compared to a user, you know, that's posting on a wall on a Facebook page. Because we're already in that direct engagement, we can help identify, you know, what the concern is of the customer um, and help them alleviate that issue. In saying that, it's also a great channel, you know, for, for self-help, additional educational content, you know, anything that, that just expands the experience of the brand, but very focused on the customer. So that's that's how we usually use our WhatsApp you know, technologies in a general sense is yes, there is a promotional and marketing element, but the primary engagement there is always around customer service, helping the customer and providing them with a very quick and efficient channel to resolve some of their queries or their issues. Um, so that's WhatsApp mm. on the one side. Mm. And then with TikTok, you know, th this is the interesting thing. And I think in the world of digital marketing, there will always be, you know, that new kid on the block when it comes to digital marketing channels. And that's great because that is how digital marketing works. You know, every social media channel, it's very interesting if you track this over time, but every type of channel, you know, they actually, they're like a kid and they go through all of these stages into adulthood. If you think, for example, on Twitter, you know, Twitter started out with extremely strong and aggressive growth rates. And now Twitter's actually quite plateaued in terms of its growth, you know. But what's yes. interesting about that is it's got a very engaged audience. It's got a very specific niche, a very specific type of user that really enjoys using Twitter and consuming content from Twitter, which could be very different to your typical Facebook audience, that could be very different to your uh, Instagram audience and TikTok audience.
audience. So why I mentioned that is that for me, it's very important to see where the TikTok channel is going and where it solidifies its presence within the broader market. What is that specific role and that specific use case that TikTok is going to supply to customers? Definitely, TikTok is a channel with a lot of opportunities, but from a direct brand perspective, it is a challenging platform. What I mean by direct brand presence is that, you know, creating your own TikTok presence. Yes, you can definitely do that, but it's going to take a lot of work because TikTok is a new channel and a lot of customers are not used to seeing brands with a direct presence on the channel. So what helps a lot in this space currently is using influencers to help promote your work. So, you know, there's a very engaged audience, TikTok content, you know, gets great engagement numbers, great views. So influencers are a really good channel if you do want to use it for brand messaging. Uh, obviously, just making sure you know that your messaging is authentic, it speaks to the right audience, and that you're choosing the right influencers. But my suggestion would be for where TikTok is currently now is, is primarily focus on using the right influencers to engage meaningfully with your audience. Yeah, that makes so much sense because if you just, you know, think of the, how can I put it, the look and feel, the vibe that you have around TikTok, it's very difficult to fit a business in that kind of field. So it makes a lot of sense to with the influencer suggestion. Um, I want to ask you about content marketing initiatives. Is content marketing relevant in digital marketing for retail? Very much so. I, yeah, I'm so passionate about content marketing. I think it's probably, and, and this is a bit of a general statement, but I still think it's probably one of the most understated uh, or under-respected types of marketing that we still have, especially, I think, in South Africa. I think globally, you know, a lot of brands have really developed strong content marketing approach, and that's also happened locally in South Africa. But I do still think as a broader market, we've got a long way to go in realizing the importance of content marketing. But yes, in the retail space, very much so. For any type of industry, every type of brand where you have a product or you have a service, Content marketing can play a vital role because what content marketing does, really, it is that gap between, you know, doing strong product communication that drives sales and doing something that really enriches the experience of the customer. And that really is the lens that you always need to apply to content marketing. That really is what content marketing is. It's content that is either educating, informing, entertaining, or creating an experience for the customer that isn't just about, you know, go and buy my product. It's really providing that value. And, you know, at the end of the day, a key thing to note here is that I think a lot of brands, when they hear content marketing, they think, oh my goodness, but why do I want to do content marketing? I want to drive sales. But at the end of the day, you know, digital marketing is all about a relationship. And the stronger that relationship and the more value you give to the customer, the more trust you build, the more credibility you build. And that credibility is so important in the digital space, not just to, you know, get customers to convert and buy your products, but also to retain your customers. And that's where content marketing really, you know, I think shines is in the retention space because it's the type of content that's perfect for building relationships and maintaining those relationships in the digital space. Because look, at the end of the day, you know, it's a lot more expensive to acquire a new customer than it is to retain an existing customer. So if you've got a very strong and a well thought out content marketing strategy, it can really support you massively with retaining that customer. 
Yes. And I think at the end of the day, it also comes down to that importance of the brand, of building the brand, you know, with the experience. And I mean, typically with a sales strategy, you have an up and down spike, you know, in terms of a graph. Um, whereas with a content marketing strategy, it's very much like a brand strategy. It's like a set of stairs that just go up. But it takes a good year or two or three for it to actually grow. Um, you know, as opposed to sales, which is a quick promotion. Yay, some money. But then <laughs> when it's down, it's down. So I think, um, you know, if you would agree with me that it's very much aligned to your building your brand strategy and that, that brand engagement. Totally aligned. And I think you raise such a good point is that it's the time dynamic. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of marketers and brands struggle with it. Because for content marketing to work, it is not a quick fix. It's by no means a quick fix. It's building a relationship. And, and it's something that you're going to see results from over time. And, you know, that I think is what, what makes it tricky. Because, you know, most businesses, you know, we're focused on now seeing results, not tomorrow, today. Um, so I think it is. It, 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 it necessitates a change in mindset. But, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying. Excellent. Sandile. Yeah. So how do you manage the risk in having brands, having social media platforms? And we've come to see there's been pros and cons to that, whereas your customers engage with you in regards to their issues, um, them not being happy with a certain service or, or, or brand. How do you guys survive the backlash and how does it affect the digital marketing? Oh, Sandile, it's, um, it, it's always a challenge. Let me just start there. I think the... You know, this is the thing also with the digital world is that there's so many benefits, but with all of those benefits, you know, comes great responsibility um, and, 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 you know, a lot of risks as well that you need to manage as a brand. And you're so right, especially in the social media space, um, you know, your brand is extremely exposed. You know, whether you're a small, a one-man, one-woman show or you're a big corporate, the risk is there in the social media space, right? Because you're exposing your brand, you're in a totally public and open space. So there is no way to, there's no place to hide at the end of the day. That's the reality of social media. So it's very important to consider that because as of a brand, it you need to understand that as a brand, if you're active on social media, you are exposed. So it's very important that, you know, you consider that and that there is nothing to hide because if there's something to hide, it will come out on social media. That is the reality. Um, so it's very important, you know, I think for any brand, this is the great thing I think about social media because it really has increased that the degree to which brands, I feel, um, needs to be accountable to their audience because social media has given a lot more power to customers to voice their opinion, you know, and, and, and where, let's say 20 years ago, you know, brands had all of the control because most marketing was one way in, in, in kind of channel direction. Now we've got completely two-way marketing. And in a lot of times, the customer has a lot more trust and even credibility than the end brand. So, you know, if, if something goes wrong or there's something that they're not happy with, or there's a way that the brand is engaged that doesn't, you know, align to their expectations. It can very much, you know, uh, go south for the brand very, very quickly. So as a brand, you know, the only way to, to manage that is firstly to make sure, you know, there is nothing to hide. We're here to be completely transparent and that you're willing to be transparent with customers. I think that's the first thing. If you are, as a brand, are not willing to be transparent, then social media channels are not for you. You know, it's, it's probably quite a blunt statement to make. But, you know, if, if, if that is how your brand is going to think about the way they do business, then social media can create a lot of reputational risk. So, but even in consideration of that transparency, 
you have to make sure that you've got all the right measures in place to protect and manage your brand reputation. So this is where, you know, a very strong communications, public relations strategy comes into place. And especially in the social media space, it's that strategy around how are we managing customer replies. It's also about picking up customer replies in time, you know, making sure that we've got the right tracking set up, you've got the right team in place to be able to manage and, you know, assist customers effectively. Because a lot of, you know, brand issues are not because there's some massive issue. It could be a very specific product issue, but because the brand is not helping the end customer, that issue becomes massive. You know, a small issue becomes a really big issue because we just didn't end up assisting that customer. So very important that you've got a, a strong crisis comms plan in space. You've got the right team uh, managing your profiles and you've got, you know, all of your FAQs, frequently asked questions. Um, and there's a very strong working relationship with the customer service team, whether that's separate to your actual marketing team or it's integrated in your marketing team. Very important that uh, you, you're you on the same page with your customer service team. Great. For my side, I want to know if you can share some of the hard, hard lessons that you've learned <laughs> in digital marketing in the retail um, space. Something that, you know, people can relate to because it's happened to them as well and something that you would like to share because you just don't want it to happen to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, you know what, there's definitely, I think as a, as a digital marketer, you know, because it's still comparatively actually such a new space. You know, if you think about it comparatively in the history of marketing, I think uh, all digital marketers will say and, and agree with me that they're all still constantly learning. You know, even if you completely understand all of the principles that makes, you know, great digital marketing, if I can, if I can call it that, yes. you know, our channels are always evolving. Customer behavior is always evolving. So, you know, you can never be a master. That's the, I think, the beauty of something like digital marketing. You can never truly master the art because the art is constantly changing and the rules are constantly changing. So because of that, the key advice that I would give to anyone in digital marketing, and it sounds like such a, 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 a simple thing, but it's research. It's understanding your audience. It's asking questions and it's not making assumptions. And that's so important. I think for most marketers, you know, one of the, the big pitfalls is that you'll put a strategy in place, you'll you'll put a plan in place, and then you'll be like, okay, great, we've got a plan and strategy now for it for the next few years. Just doesn't work that way. It's a lot more dynamic. So you have to be constantly, you know, looking at the trends, looking at where customers are are moving, but also making sure and being very critical with yourself that your brand is still remaining relevant in that digital space. You know, what is the brand voice? What is the brand tone? Is it relevant in, you know, in the context of the, of the broader culture of the of the country that, that you are operating in? And it's very important that you keep that in mind. So I think that that constant learning mindset and, you know, always saying to yourself, you know, I, I, I'm not the master of this. There's always more to learn because things are constantly changing. I think that that will help a lot. And I just want to make a note about the mistakes. You know, I think this is the, the interesting thing about digital marketing because it's so dynamic. Those mis mistakes are such a natural part of the digital marketing world. And it's so important because without those mistakes, you know, you can't really gather insights. And a lot of what digital marketers will do is they will do testing with the idea not to fail outright, but to gather data to see what works and what doesn't work that well. So that constant optimization 
is so, so important. So, you know, in the world of, 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 of digital marketing, I always say to people, don't be worried about making those mistakes because those mistakes are learnings. And as long as you are actually, you know, looking at those learnings, you're looking at those mistakes and you're optimizing your approach, then, you know, you will be or you should be on the path to success. So I think for me, it's like embrace the, the mistakes, but also constantly, you know, learn from your audience and, and research the market. Yeah, and it sounds like you have to be very remain very humble in the industry because just mm. when you think you've got you're the hang of it, then uh, yeah, something happens and you need to reinvent the wheel. Very much, so. <laughs> very much true. Well, I think coming from the whole since well, we are the wholesale and retail CETA, so we are more focused on skills development um, research, as you've mentioned earlier. What would you say is um, some of the most pressing skills need in the digital marketing space? that retailers could probably just start looking at instead of the whole broader looking for an entire agency and such? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, with my experience in in the broader digital marketing world, uh, I think it's worth noting that most of my experience is from an agency side and my corporate retail experience is quite limited comparatively to it. But I think that brings an interesting perspective, especially in the context of that question, is that, you know, when we look at digital marketing skill sets, and especially if we look at technical digital marketing skill sets, and, and I'll unpack that in, in a little bit more detail, that you do find that some corporates do struggle to get those resources in-house. And the reason why is that, you know, agencies are, especially marketing agencies and digital agencies, they do a fantastic job in creating, you know, a very attractive culture that attracts that type of creative very innovative digital uh, individual. And I think the other point to make is, you know, like digital marketing is a very new field. So it attracts, you know, people that are usually quite younger, you know, unlike myself, that's already in my my mid thirties. You know, most people in digital marketing are young. So it attracts a certain type of person. So from a corporate perspective, I think that will always be your biggest challenge. If you want to say, you know, let's create more in-house resources and let's upskill our own team, uh, instead of going uh, on an agency side to get support there, you know, that's always the important thing is that how do I create a culture and how do I create this environment that's actually inviting to those type of, of resources? Because I think, you know, especially in the South African market, usually I think most of our talent would be more attractive to to an agency role. But that's purely just because of the perception. I think that's just the background and the history of, of our of our industry. You know, I think if you've got the right corporate culture and you've got a, a, a great and inviting and accommodating culture, you can definitely attract uh, that top talent. But but I think really for me, the key focus is on technical skills, you know, especially people that understand digital analytics that can take, you know, the numbers, the engagement rates and build a story around what those insights are telling us about the customer. You know, I think we can never have enough of, of those type of talents uh, in the industry. Okay. From my side, um, I want to find out uh, what is the difference between managing a basically a retail brand in the digital space compared to a typical product brand, you know, managing a Nike versus managing a retailer. What would you say are the differences? I think for me, one of the key differences, if you're a retail brand, and I think just to contextualize that for me, I would be looking at a brand that actually houses multiple other products or other multiple brands, right? So we've got exactly. a store, we've got our own main brand, but within that we're partnering with various other brands and we are providing, you know, that service to the customer. I think the biggest, you know, challenge there is that 
What it means in the digital space is that you're never just working with one brand. You're never truly just communicating and promoting one brand. You've got your main brand, which is which is you as the, the actual retail brand, but you've got all your partner brands and your success is also reliant on their brand equi- equity, their brand trust. So, and I think that's the biggest challenge. I think for me, that's the biggest, you know, mind shift that you need to make in the retail space is to understand that it's constantly a partnership. But there's also great benefits that come with that because you're not just working in isolation. It's not just your brand. You've got this bigger brand family of brands that are partnering with you where you can do co-branded campaigns. You can do sponsorships. There's so many opportunities to leverage each other's channels and, and to create engaging propositions for customers. But I do think, you know, that kind of encapsulates the key uh, complexity is that you know, you've got all these different brands. It's about managing your own reputation. And yes, even though you're not responsible directly for the reputation of the other brand, it can affect your brand. So, you know, Absolutely. so keeping, you know, abreast of that and making sure that you're monitoring that and you work to very closely with your partners uh, in the digital space, I think is very important. And then um, just in conclusion, what advice in general would you just provide for digital managers in the retail space just two three four core things that you think stand out one thing i think that that's very important is that remain focused um and and i can't say this enough you know in the world of digital there's so many opportunities um and there's there's a lot of people that are coming that going to come with you uh, with those opportunities, and they're going to, you know, make proposals, and that's fantastic. You know, there's always a lot of opportunities. There's always a lot of ways to be innovative and do new things and engage with customers in new ways. But I really think what's very important is to remain focused. Is make sure that you've got a clear strategy in place, that you're driving towards that strategy, and all of the initiatives that you do undertake and all of the partnerships that you do undertake are really focused on that main goal. I would say, you know. Use 10% of your time for those experimental initiatives or 20% of your time even for those experimental initiatives. But make sure that you don't lose sight of the prize and you don't lose sight of the main focus because it is very, very easy, you know, to go down a rabbit hole um, and, and kind of lose sight of the main vision. So I think that's a very important thing is that in the world of digital marketing, especially if you're a retail brand, make sure that you're focused on sales and that you're there to support the bottom line of the business. And that everything that you're doing, all the initiatives that you're driving, is supporting that, whether directly or indirectly, but it's helping you to achieve that that, that, that specific result for the broader business. So I think that would be the one thing. Um, I think once again, going back to the channel ecosystem is make sure that you clearly define the role of each channel, that it isn't about just, you know, being on the channel for the sake of the channel, but that you've got a specific strategy for the channel and you've got a clear content strategy for that channel, that you know your audience and that you're not just duplicating across all of the channels and you're creating a personalized experience for your customer. I think that's a very important point. Uh, And then insights and analytics. You know, this always for me, crucial, 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 is make sure that you're always gathering data and that you're formulating and combining that data in a sensible way where you can actually derive derive business results. Because, you know, at the end of the day, there's so much data, there's so much information that you can look at. But the key is the trick really is how do you look at that data critically and strategically so that you can inform your, your approach to digital marketing. Great. 
Well, thank you. Um, well, Dr. Clitor, it was absolutely a pleasure to have you with us today. We really appreciate your time. And uh, to our listeners, stay tuned as we bring you more conversations and information geared towards advancing the retail industry. Thank you. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you. Thank you, You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.